Welcome to Now Charleston. I'm Sam Spence. It's Friday, June 10th. Now Charleston takes a look at a handful of issues three times a week and tells you why they're important. So what happens to all that produce at the downtown farmer's market after it closes? Charleston schools take steps toward taking steps that could get them closer to finding a new superintendent six months after the last one left. A pile of old Charleston bike share bikes landed at a North Charleston dump. There's big early voting turnout in Charleston statewide. And Trump and Haley are doing battle in the 1st Congressional District. Also, a couple event picks for your weekend. Those stories and more, starting now. So you've probably seen this before. You're walking around through a local farmer's market as vendors are kind of shutting down. You didn't get up quite early enough. But you know they have a lot of fruits and veggies that they didn't sell that day. So what happens to all those? Well, at the downtown farmer's market, which is managed by the city, uh, for years a local group collected what was left from vendors and what wouldn't keep until the next market and doled it out to local senior homes, food banks, and more. But, the Posting Courier reported this week, since the markets restarted after COVID, that option hasn't been there for a few different reasons. So, the city is working on a new solution that will give this food that's ready to go bad within a few days somewhere to go, besides just in the back of a farmer's truck to to get thrown away somewhere else. Um, A landfill, the Posting Courier said, isn't the best place for this kind of stuff. Um, Even organic waste can't fully decompose at a landfill after it's buried and cut off from outside air. There are a few private companies around that do composting, uh, and the city is looking for outside money to pay for that. The thing is, this is a lot of waste we're talking about here. It's up to 6,000 pounds of food in 2019 from the downtown market alone, according to um, the market manager to the posting courier. And that's about 200 pounds a week if the market runs a full 30 weeks a year. Uh, The city should know by the end of July if it gets the money to take care of this composting for the downtown market. Um, But now what about the other dozen markets around Charleston? Well, we're coming up on six months since Charleston County School District accepted the resignation of former Superintendent Jurita Postalweight. Um, this week, just a few days ago, the district interviewed five firms, the Posting Courier reported, that uh, could soon get started on interviewing potential new superintendents to replace her. Six months later, and they've got the list down to a potential five firms to choose from. So to recap, we've got a superintendent that resigns suddenly in late December at an emergency meeting with one day public notice during a holiday week. Uh, That resignation was followed with no, absolutely zero public explanation for why the elected school board uh, accepted the resignation of the superintendent and why she was given $240,000 on her way out. Now, I don't have any inside knowledge about how this search is going, but I've seen these things play out before. We probably all have. Um, Even after the firm's hired, it'll take a few months for them to do their job. And now it's summer, so the district may not be able to even have somebody on board until the 2023 2024 school year. The school board been pretty quiet for the past few months um, since the latest plan to revamp struggling schools was scuttled earlier this year after a huge amount of public controversy. But the district hasn't been idle. It's been not been doing nothing. Um, it's allocated some of the COVID relief money that's kept that's come in the door, and it's kept the lights on, of course. Um, oh, and it also raised the pay of a handful of top administrators, including the interim superintendent, previously a longtime district leader, all of whom are now earning well into six figures. Uh, and apparently settling in for the long haul. Quick item the Posting Courier flagged from social this week uh, about a pile of old Holy Spokes bikes that were found tossed into a North Charleston scrap heap. 
Um, it's exactly what it sounds like. Someone spotted the bikes, the big teal bikes, uh, the ones that uh, until a few weeks earlier were people riding around downtown. Um, now I don't know if there was anything that could have been done with these old bikes. A lot of them were beat up anyway and not taken care of when they were on the road. Um, the company that originally contracted with the city to provide the bikes was bought and sold at least once since those bikes came out. Um, but this just goes to show the different approaches private business and government have to these kinds of things. Um, kind of just pointing back to that yuckiness with the contracting from the school district. I mentioned it, it took the city months to figure out what company was going to take over the bike share contract. They put the bids out like last summer and they just got the new bikes on the road, like in the past month or so. They had to extend the old contract for a while, um, but once Lime was ready to go, the new company, oh boy, were they ready. The old bikes were gone and the new ones are out there. The old racks are still even on the streets and the new bikes don't even need the racks. My guess is that the racks will end up in the trash pile before too long too. And of course, all these bike share companies are hardly just transportation companies or even interested in biking at all. It's a technology business. The new Lime bikes have Lime and Uber's Name printed all over them. I'm sure that there's some cool synergy if you open up the Uber app and are looking for a short trip, it'll direct you to a bike, which is kind of cool. And don't get me wrong, the new bikes are a great upgrade from the old ones. But again, for these companies, it's a business. It's not a, really a government service. And when you, quote, run government like a business, like some people like to say, sometimes some perfectly good bikes get thrown out with the trash. So today is the last day for early voting in most places in South Carolina, and the state's been posting daily vote totals. So let's take a look at how things are looking so far. So we're approaching the primaries for a midterm election, not a major presidential election or anything like that. So let's compare to 2018, the last uh, comparable election cycle. According to Live 5, according to the Charleston County Board of Elections and Voter Registration, some 1,700 people voted using in-person absentee voting in 2018. So that was back when you still had to have an excuse to vote in-person absentee. It wasn't real true early voting. But this year, so that's 1,700 people in 2018. This year in Charleston County, as of Wednesday, no Thursday numbers yet, um, seven day, after seven days of true early voting, more than 4,000 people have voted early in Charleston County. And digging into other counties a little, the counties where there are contested Republican primaries for congressional seats so that's the first in the seventh districts up and down the coast, all have some of the highest turnout in the state. So Charleston has 4,000 early votes. Beaufort County, the other major part of the first district where Mason and Arrington are facing off, has 5,176 votes. Horry County, one of the most populous counties in the state, one of the fastest growing for sure, where Tom Rice is fending off a slew of primary challengers in an election that will almost surely go to a runoff, 7,644 votes. Another item of note, Richland County, County, one of the highest population counties in the state, a little bigger than Charleston population-wise, doesn't have a major party primary as far as I know, um, but it does have five different early voting locations. Charleston only has one. Guess what turnout in Richland is? 5,650 votes as of Wednesday. 1,200 people voted on Wednesday by itself. The head-shaking thing here is that South Carolina is one of the last states in the nation to get real early voting. I'm pretty sure I voted early in the 2004 presidential election in North Carolina. But these numbers show people probably wanted this all along, even Republicans whose elected officials run the show and were resistant to early voting altogether. Now, we'll see how election results change. And if they do, we'll see what the politicians in charge do then. 
One more interesting political story from Politico this week. Um, Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and Donald Trump are fighting this kind of proxy battle in the first district with Haley endorsing Mace and Trump endorsing Arrington. But it's looking like Trump's camp is almost conceding the first district could stick with Mace. Now, that's Haley's chosen candidate. While they're still banking on Tom Rice losing in the seventh district, which is a tough fight for Rice. The Politico story quoted former Governor Mark Sanford as saying Haley's call to back Mace almost has no downside. There's not a huge risk. She and Trump match on a lot of other races, and Haley's camp insists that she didn't know that Trump was about to weigh in when the former governor endorsed Mace. I don't know about that. But to show there's no hard feelings, or at least too many, uh, apparently Haley was at Mar-a-Lago last week with Trump, according to Maggie Haberman on Twitter. One item to note is that Trump will likely not, according to Politico, uh, make a last-minute stop in the 1st District to campaign for Arrington. Usually that means someone doesn't want to risk their personal credibility to stump for a candidate who's about to lose in a couple days. Meanwhile, Haley is set to campaign for Mace all weekend. A couple picks for your weekend before we go. The Charleston River Dogs are in town all weekend against the Salem Red Sox. Games are at 7 on Friday, 6 on Saturday, and 5 on Sunday. The Charleston Battery also take the pitch on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. The game's at 7 p.m., and it's Pride Night, benefiting We Are Family, with a special Pride uniform that looks pretty cool. It's been neat to see the Battery introduce a bunch of new uniforms this season and to see people wearing them around town. They almost sold out their game last week, so if the weather's nice, expect a crowd this weekend, too. Also Saturday, North Charleston is having a free street party on East Montague Avenue in honor of the city's 50th anniversary. So get those three sirens and Jackrabbit Philly reservations now if you haven't already. Um, With these kind of events, they usually just close down the street for stuff like this and have a bunch of kids events, music, etc. I don't think it's actually official, but no one cares if you walk around with a drink either. So either way, no cars should be a good time. That kicks off at 4 p.m. and goes until about 8.30. That's all I've got for you today. If you have feedback for the show, you can leave a voice message at 843-474-1319 or email sam at nowcharleston.com. You can rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Uh, That'd be a big help too. And as always, check nowcharleston.com for links and notes from today's show. To make sure you don't miss anything, follow twitter.com slash nowcharleston and instagram.com slash nowcharleston. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back on Monday with the next Now Charleston. Thank you.